Hello and welcome to Box Office Receipts. I'm your host Tyler Callahan and we got a busy episode this week. First, a small change to the podcast that you might have noticed last week and that is the new intro and outro music. I thought it was time to switch it up a bit so the intro and transition music were differentiated. I hope you like it. Now, this week we got the Suicide Squad numbers which were disappointing as well as other news. First up, the domestic box office numbers. Opening in first place is the Suicide Squad with 26.5 million. In second place is Jungle Cruise with 15.6 million for a total of 65.3 million. In third place is Old, which made another 4.1 million for a total of 38.5 million. Fourth place was Black Widow with 4 million for a total of 174.3 million. It is now the highest grossing movie domestically of the year. Finally, in fifth place was Stillwater with 2.86 million for a total of 10 million. I'll get to my thoughts on Suicide Squad in a minute, but first let's get to the rest of the numbers out of the way. Looking at China, Raging Fire stayed in first place with 21.6 million for a total now of 83 million. In second place was Upcoming Summer with 6 million. Third place was Green Snake with 5.1 million. In fourth place was Chinese Doctors with 2 million. And in fifth place was a non Chinese movie. That opened up a British film called A Christmas Gift from Bob and made 1.09 million. So the numbers are starting to look weaker and they will continue to do so for a while now due to the rise of cases in the country. The China Film Administration has announced that theaters in low risk areas should cap seating at 75% capacity and shut down completely in medium or high risk areas. This in turn has caused uh, one of the bigger films of the year for China to be pushed back. Remember how I was saying they need to bring in some big blockbusters of their own to get people to come back? Well, they were going to have one called Battle at Lake Changjin, which was set to release on August 12th. Now its release date is unknown. Along with that, the Beijing International Film Festival, which was set for this month, has been delayed with no new, uh, no new date. For executives in Hollywood, this is about as the worst news you can get, as it further delays them getting films approved. I'll be keeping an eye on the situation and keep you updated as it develops. Now let's look at some worldwide numbers. The Suicide Squad opened in most international markets this weekend and made 35 million. This brings its worldwide total to 72.2 million. Jungle Cruise made another 15.1 million for a worldwide total of 121.8 million. Space Jam A New Legacy made 5.6 million for a total now of 135. million. Black Widow made 4 million for a worldwide total of 359.8 million. Old made 4.4 million for a total of 65.2 million. Finally, F9 is now at 661.4 million worldwide. So the Suicide Squad numbers ain't great at all. It was expected to do closer to 30 million, and if it's better than expected, to open closer to 40 million. Both of those did not happen. Now, why did the number perform? Well, a few reasons. First, the HBO Max effect hit it again. There is a report out there that 2.8 million households watched it on the streaming service this weekend. Some quick math of one person per household at $10 per, $10 per ticket, and that is under what most people pay. We're looking at an additional 28 million missing from the box office. Yes, I know not everyone who watched it at home would have gone out to see it, but I'm just trying to paint a picture of how much HBO Max can affect the numbers. It affects the numbers more than Disney Plus because when you go there, you still have to pay an additional 30 and have to think if it's worth it. With the HBO Max option, it's just there for a month. All you have to do is press play. Besides HBO Max, Delta is taking its toll. Domestically, at least, Delta was not much of a concern around the 4th of July. 
right before Black Widow came out. Since then, however, we have seen cases rise and rise everywhere, and in some places like Florida, spike to all-time highs. I do think this has caused an effect where some people are trying to stay a little safer when they can and watch movies at home. Then you have other countries that are put, being put back into restrictions or locking down, like Australia. I also think another reason overall is the title itself, The Suicide Squad. Not Suicide Squad 2 or Suicide Squad Operation, whatever, just add a the to it and that's it. This I think has led to some confusion among the general public on is it a reboot or is it a sequel? And look, obviously the general public is not the smartest, but I can't blame them for getting confused at the title. It also does not help that the marketing does not explain where Joker or Deadshot are, so they see a bunch of new characters with Harley Quinn and Rick Flagg, and they don't know what to think. Now this movie is clearly going to take a loss at the box office. With this $180 million budget, we were looking at them needing to make at least $400 million, but ideally $500 million to start turning a profit. At this rate, the film will be lucky to finish between $200-$250 million worldwide. What the focus is on now is to get some people to sign up for HBO Max and for current subscribers that they viewed it a lot of times. Like, you want the streaming numbers to be good. And I do hope Warner Brothers and Warner Media as a whole do not take the wrong ideas from this. James Gunn delivered a great movie, but they should have gone with a different title and some clearer marketing. If they did that, then in normal times this would have been a hit. Let's move on from the numbers and take a look at the rest of the news in Hollywood regarding Dwayne Johnson's role in the Fast and Furious franchise. Producer Herm Garcia has confirmed that he will not be in F10 or F11. As for Hobbs and Shaw 2, that is still happening, but seems to be in pre-production, with him saying that they are still working on what the movie should be. That sounds like they are still working on ideas for the script, so the movie, if it does happen, is around three years out, I'd wager. On one hand, it's good to see more of Mr. Johnson as Hobbs. I do like him in that role. Uh, but him not in the finale of the main Fast and Furious franchise is going to be weird. I hope for, him, hope for him and Vin Diesel to settle their beef, but that seems like it's not going to happen at all. Paramount looks to be double-dipping on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, with them signing Colin and Casey Jost to write a script for the, a movie based on the IP. Now, while Deadline has the exclusive on this, it was not clear if this is going to be a live-action movie or animated, but if I had to guess it's live-action, as this is not replacing the animated Ninja Turtles movie that Seth Rogen is producing. Personally, I don't know much of their work for Colin Jost. He has written a lot of Saturday Night Live skits, so there are probably a few I've watched, but nothing stands out. As for doing two separate versions of the IP around the same time, can be a smart move, but really it's going to come down to quality. If both live action and animated are good, then it pays off. Got a small update on the Exorcist trilogy, and it's getting a bit confusing. So the initial announcement was that Universal and Peacock together bought a new trilogy of Exorcist movies, continuing from the original one. But the first one, at least, will be premiering in theaters. Right now, that is set for release on October 13th, 2023. It is not clear if the other two movies would go to theaters as well. I guess what I find confusing about this is with Comcast, why are they letting Universal and Peacock come together to spend money on this when it should be all Universal? Unless these movies are premiering day and date on Peacock, there's no point for them putting up money for this. And I guess it's going to be a while until they clear this up, but I'm curious how is the release of this working? Finally, we've got one more story for this section, and that is New York City's Vaccine Passport Mandate. Starting in mid-September, indoor places in New York City will be required to check and only allow people who are vaccinated, except children under 12, as they cannot be vaccinated yet. This will include movie theaters. All I have to say to this is thank God. I'm glad this is happening and I hope other cities in America do the same. I have been back to theaters twice over the summer and while I feel okay to sit and watch, I do not yet feel fully comfortable taking off my mask and eating and drinking something. 
And now if I knew that everyone in the theater was vaccinated, I'd be comfortable enough to do so. Now maybe you're listening uh, right now, you might feel different, and that's okay. I'm just explaining for me and how the past year, year and a half has been. I would prefer knowing that when I go into an indoor area, everyone is vaxxed. For VOD Premium, it's a busy week, so let's start with the small stuff. First up is HBO Max. It was announced that HBO Max is now available on select LG Smart TVs, specifically on some of their TV lines from 2018 to 2021, and WebOS has to be 4.0 or higher. Just wanted to mention it as it shows HBO Max still has places it needs to be accessible. This move, though, in and of itself will not really boost subscription numbers. The bigger news for HBO Max is they seem to have their star for Blue Beetle, which will be uh, Zolo Mayordino. The actor is known for his breakout role in Cobra Kai. I've not watched it yet, but based on what I'm seeing online, a lot of people are happy about the choice, so that's nice to see. As for the film itself, it's supposed to be start filming early next year. Last week, I mentioned I was going to talk about Peacock, and well, now here I am, and I'm talking about NBC's Universal's failure with the Olympics. While I did not watch any, all I've heard online is that watching the Olympics on NBC was once again terrible. I know it usually does suck because no matter where it is, they always keep the good stuff to prime time. Uh, issues with the social media age by holding those events until 8pm. People already know the results, saw the pictures, the medals, and so there is no stakes. Peacock was supposed to ideally fix this issue because in a perfect world they could still do that for live TV, but on the streaming service you could watch all the events as they happen live. No. So first off, it seems the marketing was not up to snuff. A lot of people did not realize there were paid versions of the service. So to watch most of the Olympic content there, you needed to pay. The second issue is even after paying, it was not just a bunch of live streams of the events. No, it turns out Peacock had other events. Well, NBC and NBC Sports had others. This led it being a mess for viewers to see what events were where and how to watch it. Now, lucky for them, all is not lost. While they did a royal fuck up here, thanks to the delay, they're only six months away from the Winter Olympics for a do-over. So what do they need to do? Clearly, they need to advertise that there is a paid version of Peacock, but convince people to pay for it besides just the Olympics. They also need to come up with a clear and intuitive way to watch it on the service. I did play around with the app on Apple TV, and while it looks nice and looks similar to other streaming apps, some of the UI is off and could be improved. Ideally, during the Olympics, the first thing I should see when I open the app is a banner highlighting it. And after clicking on it, a list of the events for the, for the date, at what time, and how to watch. And if for some reason I can't watch it on Peacock, it should tell me if it's going to be on NBC or NBC Sports. But if they really want the service to excel, they need to host all the events on Peacock and then give NBC Channel some as well. They spent millions and millions of dollars to get these exclusive rights. You'd think it'd be a slam dunk to use it to boost your numbers here, but no. Final story of the episode is Apple, and it looks like they are opening up their checkbook again, with them having bought the rights to Argyle for $200 million. You might remember this as the new spy movie from Matthew Vaughn with a stacked cast, and will now be an Apple original film. The deal right now is only for the one film, but there is hope it will turn into a franchise. If it is like Cherry, there will be a limited theatrical release for two to three weeks before going to Apple TV+. This is not like Flowers at a Killer Moon where Paramount is doing distribution, this would be on Apple 100%. But yeah, overall, this is a big get for the streaming service, and if it does turn into a franchise, then it's an even bigger deal. With the cast this has, if the movie is good, then Apple has another building block to their portfolio. That'll be it for this week's episode of Box Office Receipts. Question for the episode is, did you watch the Olympics on Peacock or try to? If so, let me know on Facebook. Link to the page is in the show notes. Thank you for listening. See you next time.